S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Simi Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Simi Rye. This week, we're going to talk about the delays or the planned production of Vision Quest, a Marvel show that you guys may have forgot about. I know I kind of forgot about it. We're going to talk about the problems I think the MCU's having when it comes to some of their characters and how they're kind of lingering, how the length it's taking to get some of these other shows done. And maybe the the priority on, you know, the emphasis on these new characters versus some of the old characters like Vision. Um, We're going to get into that and get some more some things surrounding that whole thing. Also, right now, if you don't know, every week in the month of November, the Fortnite map is changing and going through different maps of the past. It's like a time travel thing they're doing. It's just for four weeks, and we are on week two, so we're going to talk about that, the map changes and things I, you know, my, my takeaway from the things I like, things I didn't like, or whatever. Also, music of the week, movie of the week, and in the after show, I'm going to give you guys some thoughts on last time I went to Disney World. I'm currently in Disney World now, um, and just giving you my whole perspective on why this, I think, is such a great experience. If you're thinking about it, you haven't tried it, hang out for the after show. We're going to get into that. Hope you guys enjoy. So one of the topics I wanted to touch on is the Vision Quest TV show in development over at Marvel. Um, I I really feel like, you know, I love Marvel films. I love the shows, but they're really in a bad position with the way everything is playing out. The actor strike supposedly just ended today. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to finish happening. And that's a three year deal. So hopefully that will help things kind of get going again. But Vision Quest was originally scheduled to start filming in 2024. Um, and that's that, you know, that show WandaVision came out in 2021. So you're looking at a three year gap for a story. For reference, Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2 is two years apart. So I feel like two years, while it does feel a little long for major motion pictures and stuff, it takes time to make these things. So for some of these stories, you know, two years, that's, that's what it's going to have to be. Um, it is kind of a shame, though, with the current landscape, with so many things coming out and so many things being produced. When you have big characters or big storylines, it'd be nice to see them pop up somewhere else. So, for example, we've seen Wanda since, since, um, you know, since WandaVision. She appeared in Multiverse of Madness. And there's been lots of other movies that Vision could have popped up in or we would hope he could have popped up in. Or someone could have gave us an update about him. Kind of to keep the, the whole interest there. I was very interested in what Vision became at the end of WandaVision and what's going to happen next for him. But now we got to wait three years for them to start making the show. I don't know how long it's going to be after that since it's come out. And someone pointed out that Agatha, you know, Coven of Chaos, if that's the name of the show, which they keep changing the name of the show, that comes out actually pretty soon before Vision. So it's kind of like a two-year gap. you got to see more Agatha. And that, to me, just it just blows my mind. Like, I get the idea of showing off new characters, but with Vision having a very important ending to whatever the, that character was doing and what the character's going to go do next, I don't see why that show wasn't handled first. I, I mean, that's obviously their decision, and they could do that, but I just think that it's hard to maintain interest in cliffhangers. Agatha is not a cliffhanger. We don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's a prequel show. I'm not invested at all in that character. Is I'm sure the character's going to be fine. I'm looking forward to the show. But Vision being a really important character to the MCU... To have Vision just flapping around in the Marvel Universe and these shows and these movies are coming out, but for three or maybe even four years, we get no update on him. I just think it's ridiculous. It, it just doesn't make sense how, how those characters can just stay gone for so long and not have any kind of update on what's going on with them. 
I really wish they kind of could get to a point where they do some smaller films. Um, again, smaller cameos here. Just an update inside of a show where someone is explaining where these characters are, what they're doing. Because it, it does give you a feeling that there's not a lot of important things going on. And that kind of leads into a bit of my, my take on the Marvels. So the early reviews are out for the Marvels, and that's kind of the same thing that I kind of expected, but what they also saying about the Marvels is it doesn't feel like the stakes are high. And this happens often when they do these different character movies where they're off in their own corner of the world and they're not really interacting with anybody. We've gotten a lot of these recently. Moon Knight doesn't feel like he's a part of the MCU. They say he is, doesn't really feel like it. The Eternals doesn't feel like they're part of the MCU. They say they are, doesn't feel like it. These characters are, are doing things in their own pockets and not really affecting each other in any kind of way. So in, in a way, it's like, what's the point of interlinking storylines if no longer these characters really are impacting each other in meaningful ways? I think with the first phase or the first you know three phases of Marvel, it felt like the characters were bumping into each other a bit more. Except for Thor 2. Thor 2 was one of those movies, again, that was completely off to the side, didn't matter. Thor 3, I thought, was, was a lot, you know, um, was enhanced by the fact that you had Hulk there. Hulk was there because of the events of Age of Ultron, um, you know, and then you're wondering how they're going to get back. You get to see him and, and, and Banner hang out more. I remember them saying they were going to do more of that, more kind of like buddy films and crossovers and stuff to make the characters feel like they're interacting with each other more. But, you know, I guess mentioned with The Eternals, I mentioned with Moon Knight, those shows are just, you know, are a movie and show or just kind of by themselves. Um, I don't remember Miss Marvel having too much to do with anybody. And now they're buddying Miss um, Marvel up with Captain America, and that's going to happen in this film. But I really feel like Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's character, has not gotten a chance to really show what that character is all about, why we should be excited about it. The initial film, um, you know, in a way, way Captain Marvel is getting help from Nick Fury. You know, we like Nick Fury. That's supposed to help us, I guess, you know, like um, the new Cap the Captain Marvel character. Now, you know, based on reviews and kind of what my assumption was going to be of it, you know, Miss Marvel's still in the show. She's a very likable, young, fun character. Um, it's getting a lot of writing, a lot of things to pull from. It doesn't seem like they're giving Captain Marvel a lot of great moments to really remind us this is basically the Superman of the Marvel Universe, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful character we've met so far from the team of the good guys. We're not really seeing that. And I feel like that's really hurting the MCU overall and the narrative around the MCU. When you have characters like Vision or Captain Marvel just kind of floating around out there and you know they're super powerful, even like her appearance in Endgame was, you know, she had to come at the very end because she's so powerful. It almost seemed like that you can't use her. And I don't think that's the case. I think you could, you know, give her a downside to her power. Maybe it takes her long to use it or whatever. Or, again, you just write more, you know, situations where she can't just punch her way out of it, right? If Thanos is a big, giant ship, she flies through it, she can punch her way through that whole thing. That's showing her power. But if there's another kind of dilemma or something like that that she has to deal with that doesn't necessarily require her power, then we could do that. But I don't even know much about the character to even know what kind of moral dilemmas would she be in. I think this is a big thing that's hurting Captain Marvel. I'm sure we will learn more about Captain Marvel in this film, um, but it, you know, from the earlier views are showing that, you know, the stakes aren't very high. They're fighting a villain. I don't even remember the name of the villain after reading the name of the villain. It's a character I never heard of. Um, so again, it's just more and more and more new characters trying to sell us on all these new ideas. And I, I know that the MCU had to plant the seeds for more new characters because a lot of the older characters and actors are getting older. 
But I feel like at this point, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot of different characters. It's getting spread really, really thin. Also, the concepts they deal with, with how the the Marvel's powers work, how they they get basically swapped around. Again, it's more sci-fi. I talked about this with, you know, the, the Kang thing the other day. With, you know, there's so much stories going along with how time travel works for Kang and, and, and the MCU and all the different ways it apparently works. And it's not just one way. Um, and now we're also bringing it into this this concept of space and time with these certain characters when they use their light-based powers, they can swap positions throughout space and time. Um, it's a lot of fake science. And when I'm watching this with other people who are more casual fans, they start to tune out. And that was not the case with the earlier Marvel films. Marvel films, earlier Marvel films were easier to follow, straight to the point. And I feel like they're getting way more complicated with how all these powers and stuff work and not more complicated with how these characters work, how these people with these powers work why they are the way they are. Guardians 3 was amazing. You know, Rocket Raccoon was so well-developed. You got to see so much more about Rocket Raccoon in that film. I think it made you care about the film. And then there's also a lot of cool action and stuff that, that, that happens. I feel like these other films are kind of missing um, that, that element there where it's, you know, you got to really make people care about who these people are and what they're dealing with. And then we'll think that the superpowers stuff like that is cool. But we're kind of missing that key component. So that's my take Hopefully they get around to doing Vision Quest sooner. I don't know if the writer strike and the actor strike is going to push that back even further. Four years to find out where my boy Vision's at. That's that's disappointing. Um, but yeah, that's my take on that. Movie of the week. You know, there's not a lot of new stuff coming out right now. Um, again, the Marvels is the, the biggest thing coming out for the MCU, and I'm already not really sure about that, if I'm going to be that excited to go see it. I might wait for that to come to streaming. But I did see Captain America Winter Soldier recently, and still, after everything, after Endgame, after all these films, that still might be the best MCU movie ever. It's, it's, it's a little difficult to put it up there, I think, you know, I mean, I, I guess in a way, Infinity Wars and Endgame should not be included in anyone's list. You have to like put that into like the legendary status. That was such an event film. So many people were inside of that film. You really can't make that film without making the other 10 years worth of films that lead up to it. So it's, so, it's such a unique kind of you know, experience. But just as one film, Captain America Winter Soldier, it has to be probably the best MCU movie ever. I don't know. Um, it's just so, so good. And I love, too, again, how it's about the regular characters, the characters that don't have a lot of powers. There's so much more character development. There's so much more interesting things going on, you know, beneath the scene, like beneath the, you know, the layers of the different people that you see in the film. Black Widow, I think it's one of her best, most interesting performances in the film. I think a lot of times she steals the scene in that film. You don't see a lot of her doing that. You know, I feel like she's lost a lot of her, like, um, spy possibly bad element and in that film in terms of character development i think that part of her does get put through the ringer because of the story so maybe that's what it was maybe they always wanted her to get some more of a wholesome place um but by you know end game she was like basically like mom of the group it went really far from being that um you know, really cool bad assassin kind of girl that she's playing in in part two um you know, Captain America getting put through the ringer. You know, seeing all the ways that he gets pushed in that film. Having to question the government. Nick Fury has great performances in that film. Really cool scene. One of the best scenes, I think, action scenes with Nick Fury happens in that film. When um, Hydra's attacking him and he's inside of the truck. Um, very, very cool scene. 
I mean, so much stuff happens. And I, I believe that was the first time the Russos was, was doing a film for Marvel. And it makes sense that, you know, they ended up, you know, helming, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and making, you know, three classic films there. Some of the best films at the MCU. Really disappointing to me that I know they were exhausted and they are tired, but they didn't get to stay around and do more films. But what, when we're in a drought here... This is a good time to go back and maybe do an MCU rewatch. I think I'm going to do that. I have rewatched um, a few of the shows, stuff like that recently, maybe in order. It's something that would help, you know, fill up some of the time until the next big MCU project. Again, I am looking forward to Echo in January, so we have that to look forward to. But yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier, if you haven't seen it for a while, after you've seen Ant-Man, Quantumania, after you've seen all the new recent shows, Loki Season 2 and everything like that, Go back, give it a try. See if you still think, you know, if, 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 I don't know if you guys ever thought that, but if you, if you thought it was good, see how well it still holds up. I still think it's just such a great example of the one thing that I think the MCU is kind of suffering with right now is more stories that really involve the characters and showing you who these people are, what it means to them. And then the action, you know, matters because you know the stakes, you know what's on the line for those people and everything that really kind of, you know, matters to them on a personal level. I think those little elements are really missing from a, a lot of the stories um, in more of the recent films. So check it out, Captain America Winter Soldier. That's my pick for Movie of the Week. So at the time when you guys are hearing this, we are firmly into week two of the current Fortnite season. And it, with that, it brought a second map change. So if you don't know, for this month, they're having a short Fortnite season. I believe it's about four weeks long. And it's like the OG season. And they have the OG Battle Pass, um, which I'm not really sure, but I think was a way of them making a bit more money since they're selling basically a second Battle Pass. It's only four weeks long. I don't know if the price is the same as all the other Battle Passes, but it is a unique opportunity. Um, there's some remix skins, some of the old ideas mixed with new ideas. It's kind of cool. But the one thing that was interesting was the first week, and I talked about this before on the show, was that they took us back to an, an older season in Fortnite, one of the first seasons. Um, and that map is, you know, in my opinion, very underdeveloped. It's an older style map, a lot of open areas. Um, and I'm talking to some people, my original take on it was I didn't like it, but I'm talking to some people that could really explain why they liked it. You know, Fortnite, when it originally came out, it came out during the era of Hunger Games. It came out during the era of Minecraft, um, other zombie games like DayZ. The whole concept that uh, we were kind of all fascinated with because of Walking Dead, the idea of like survival, right? And there's all these different takes on survival. Um, and Fortnite survival was, I think, similar to the Hunger Games concept, except for the fact you dropped in from a bus from the sky. Um, it was like, you know, you're down the floor, you have a few weapons, can you be the last person in this, in this battle royal on the map? And that's interesting to think about it, because Fortnite has gotten so far beyond that now. The, the map is a living area where there's all kinds of things to do. There's missions going on. There's stories going on. Um, you know, last season, for example, there was three places. There were like, you know, banks that you wanted to rob or like hotels you wanted to rob. There are bosses on the map. We've had seasons with Darth Vader and Star Wars being there. It's not about just trying to survive, you know, a map and see if you can get to the last person who wins. Often, I think that's the least most interesting thing about the whole thing. You know, I never care if I win a first place round on um, on, a, on a Fortnite map. The game doesn't penalize you for it. You level up anyway. And I didn't realize how for people who loved that aspect of the game, the start of it, that's why they complain about the game now. 
Um, and it makes sense. Like, if you, if you play games like DayZ, which there's actually in Fortnite Creative, there's a great Survivor game I mentioned on the podcast before um, that, you know, is a basically a DayZ clone in a way. And I thought it was a lot better than DayZ because um, it was, you know, more compact, not so not such a big grind. In about 45 minutes, you kind of could get everything you wanted to. So if you died, you could just start over. It didn't really matter so much. While DayZ in real life could take you, you know, days or weeks of your life to get stuff. And then when you die, you lose everything, which I think is way too much for a video game. That's, that's too extreme. Um, that's my opinion. So the Fortnite one I thought was was more fun. And you can create those experiences, those more hardcore experiences in Fortnite Creative, but players seem to not want to go in there. I think it's this, it's this idea, I think, that, you know, since it's not officially made by Epic, it doesn't count. And hopefully that's something that over time people will get over. I think once there's more prominent YouTubers and creators making maps, people will start thinking, oh, that's cool. I want to go play that creator's map. The the content people that have done YouTube have mainly just played regular Fortnite and played in tournaments, stuff like that. You haven't seen those big names really embrace creative or embrace the the maps being made in creative yet, which I think is, you know, you need that person to come along, that great content creator that really brings Fortnite creative and makes it seem like it's a really cool thing. Um, so they're, they're, we're not there yet, basically. But with that being said, I think that, you know, it's cool that the seasons are changing, the, the maps are changing every week. Already, I think the map is a big improvement over the last map. You can start seeing, like, there's, um, at Loot Lake, there's this big floating island. It's more spectacle, more interesting things going on. And I don't know this story firsthand. I kind of know about Kevin DeCube, um, but I get to see these things. And they added the hoverboard where I got to play with already. Um, they added the ATV, so better vehicles already. I was fl- floating around the hoverboard, already enjoying that. And I can see if someone's like, hey, wait a second. I thought we are doing a really serious survival game. Why is he sliding around here on a hoverboard all quickly? Well, the map is huge. That's why. It's more fun. And I think that's the difference where that, that map, if they're going to make a mode about you know just Survivor and make it uh, a main feature in the game, where people, you know, again, build castles in the sky with wood and brick and stuff. I don't, I don't, it's weird how that's supposed to be like the realistic game. And, um, but they also have build mode. It's like, that's like the most popular version of that. But I think that should be its own mode. Or, you know, Fortnite should do a better job or Epic should do a better job at highlighting those people who are making that kind of content in creative and try to direct the fan base somehow over there. Maybe running ads or commercials showing off those maps, maybe partnering with those kind of content creators and highlighting those popular maps that um would give you that more survival experience. I don't know, maybe a Fortnite creative isn't there yet to really make people want to come in and play that. But like I said, I played it. The modes work fine. I don't know what the difference really is. I kind of remember I was playing the map, thought this is something that should be in some kind of creative map or save the world. So you have that. I am anyway, I am excited about the current season. I hope that um this isn't something they do over and over again. I the novelty ran really thin for me. Um, I think Fortnite makes such great content. Going back five years and showing everybody what you do, I don't think that really is helping anything. It brought back a lot of players. I don't think those players are going to stay. I think if you know if this is a chance for them maybe to um, get exposed to the item shop or creative and see some of the new things going on, hopefully some of them will stay. But if they're going to be really hard on like this game should be a very bare-bones, basic survival game. Fortnite can't afford to go back that way. It has so many other things going on for it. I do think it can have its own mode, but um, again, I, it seems like they're they're a little selective about how many more modes they want to have. Just getting zero build 
um, solo mode was a really big decision, you know, because they don't want to water down the uh, the cues for all the other modes that they already have in the game. Um, but definitely, guys, check it out. Week two is there, and if you don't like the map, and if it's not something that you know that you want to do for seven days, or by week three, you won't be on to another map, and then week four, I think that is kind of cool because that's about as much as so far I was able to take of that first map. Um, and then I'm looking forward to the Christmas season or the season that starts when Christmas starts in December. Um, that should always be cool. Christmas is one of my favorite times in Fortnite. Uh, so we have a bunch of that to look forward to as well. Music of the week. This week, I'm nominating the Tron Legacy soundtrack for music of the week. That album, if you're listening to this right now, I'm most likely riding the light bike in Disney World. Or on my way to ride the light bike. Or I may mean, I already rode it. But I'm super excited that in 2023, at Magic Kingdom, they have added the Tron ride. Originally, it was only available in Shanghai. Now they have it down in Florida. And this is something that I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do in my life. Or it was going to be one of those things, like a bucket list thing. Where one day I would have to, you know, make enough money to fly to Shanghai to ride this ride. It just seemed like a really cool idea for a ride. And... That soundtrack, watching that movie again recently, reminded me so much of, you know, a very awesome time in life. And I feel like Kanye West really benefited the most from this whole situation and the kind of music that Daft Punk and everybody was making around that time when this movie was coming out. And, you know, Kanye was stronger. I think really, you know, took pop culture and pushed it in a great direction. You know, bringing out those other kind of sci-fi sounds and uh, you know, synthesizers and bringing that back in to make it cool. But the the Tron Legacy soundtrack, I feel like, is where it started. And there's so many great songs in there. It's an awesome soundtrack that you just put on in the background. If you want something that makes you feel sci-fi or futuristic, it really captures the drama with the, the technology. And it's a very well-composed album, in my opinion. Um, if you guys have never heard it in its entirety, maybe you haven't watched the movie, maybe you're not in the Tron, maybe it doesn't have the same effect for you. But if not, give it a try. Take a cruise, you know, sit down and, you know, work on your computer or something like that. You know, whatever sci-fi thing you like to do, whatever technology thing you like to do. And throw on Tron Legacy. It is a great soundtrack. Definitely worth the listen. Check it out. <laughs> Go ahead, stretch. Relax. It's the after show. Go ahead and let your hair down. Show's over. This is where Sammy Riley likes to just get real and talk to you guys about regular stuff going on in my life. Things that I'm doing. Hope you guys are doing great out there. Thank you guys so much for rocking with the podcast for this long. I want to talk about my experiences um, going to Universal Studios and Disney World. And um, recently I've been watching a show on Disney Plus called Behind the Attraction. That gets into the stories that go into you know how you make these attractions. Um, and, you know, in these places, these worlds, these cities, I never really thought or realized, especially with, with Epcot, uh, um, I don't know if I can say that wrong, Epcot, Epcot, um, with Epcot, you know, Walt Disney, you know, making a city, wanting to make a city of the future. Growing up, you know, with my stories I do for Neochrome, that was always the, the main thing. It was, you know, how... How would there be, what would it be like if we had a brand new perfect city? If we tried to build a perfect city, what would it be like? 
Um, but, you know, I'm born in 85. So, like, I'm thinking of this in the 90s. I'm thinking about all the things that I like in the 90s and thinking, man, what would that be like? Walt Disney obviously had this, you know, idea, you know, before me and was thinking of a, a place that would show off, like, different technology for the future and stuff like that. So it's a similar idea. Mine's different in the sense where I wanted to build a place where I would want to see someone build a place where you can go live. And this whole city from the ground up will be based on brand new ideas. But a very, very close second, extremely close second, are all these amazing parks. And they're, they're making more of them. I know Universal's making a giant park called Epic. That's going to be amazing. And, you know, coming from a, a, a background where I never had a lot of money, I think when I was 16, my mom and my aunts, you know, worked very, very hard and saved up to take me and the, and the other kids, my cousins and stuff, down to Disney World for the first time, Universal Studios for the first time. Um, and as a child, it didn't really, I think, leave the same kind of impression on me as it left, it left on me as an adult. Plus, I think the parks also advanced, you know, from me going at 16 to me going again, I think, at 35. And that 15 years, the Harry Potter worlds and stuff like that got created. And they really started trying to make these places and some of the places feel more like worlds. Universal Studios, when you first go into that, I feel like that feels more like a theme park in most places. But then when you get back towards the Harry Potter place with the theming and the rides and the food, um, then it starts to feel like they're building a world. I remember the Jurassic Park area was pretty cool, too. Um, that felt more like they're trying to develop a Jurassic Park, you know, area. It makes you kind of feel like maybe they could build a Jurassic Park somewhere one day with animatronics and stuff like that. But, you know, a, a place where you go is really dedicated to dinosaurs, really big, cool, you know, um, attractions and also fun rides, stuff like that that you can do. I think that's that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing Epcot and some of the other places I've never been before this year when I go down to Disney World. Um, and I... I I want to share that, you know, I remember going the first time and it's very expensive and it's very stressful trying to get your whole family across the country to go to these things. Um, you know, especially if you're going with your whole family, obviously, if you're going alone, that might be easier if you're just going with a few friends. But still, you know, what I'm saying is that in my experiences, my limited experiences in my life, I do feel like once you're in these kind of places, you are experiencing maybe the pinnacle, maybe some of the best things life has to offer in the terms of human art, human creation. You know, like I've been to New York City. I like New York City. It's cool. But um, honestly, you know, it's when you're going there, it's just a city. It's a city that is really big and has lots of people in it. But you go there and do the same kind of things you do in any other city. And I know a lot of people, you know, you know, work really hard to come across the world to come to New York. And obviously, you're there, you see the giant architecture and the buildings and stuff, but there's a lot of this stuff that you can't go do. You can't touch. You're kind of like in here looking around a lot of things. Us, of course, I guess if you have money, maybe New York is a very different experience for you the more and more, the more, and more, and more money you have. I don't know. I've seen, some, I've seen Broadway plays. I've done some things out there, which are cool. But again, it's, it's very like broken off and segments in what you can do. When you go to these parks, you pay a price to get it, even though it feels expensive. Once you're in there, you're in there all day. You're walking around doing pretty much everything you want to do. Um, obviously, if you want to buy food and stuff like that, that can get a little pricey, but you can bring some money in for that if you really want to. I don't think that's necessarily you have to do that. I did get the butter beer when I was in Harry Potter World, and I, I did enjoy that. I'm sure I'll be doing that again. But I remember feeling, being there with my family and feeling like this, this is great that we were able to get to this point. I was able to experience this with my, my family. Because all the vacations and trips and places I've gone, 
I do feel like most places you go, you end up eating at, you know, Applebee's. You end up eating at some, like, regular place or staying in a hotel. There's not that much different than other hotels. It's not really that different of an experience. And I'm sure if you're a millionaire and stuff like that, there's all kinds of amazing things you get to go do. But I think for the average person, Disney World and Universal is an expensive trip. However, that is something that is really, really worth trying. It is achievable. There's, like, payment plans and stuff you could do. You could save up for that kind of thing. Um, and then once you go there, it is it's well worth it. I recommend staying in like the the parks, you know, um, actual hotels. I usually stay at Universal hotels, um, but it's something that's really well worth it. So this this year it took a lot for me to you know get able, be able to go down there again. Um, but if you guys are thinking about it or you're on the fence about it, I definitely recommend putting aside some money, looking to see how you can get it done and arranging it, and should going to try that out. Right, that's my takeaway for the after show this week. I hope you guys are having a great week, and I will see you again soon. Peace.